In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. And Lord, today as we begin our prayer, we accompany Mary and Joseph on their journey to Bethlehem, because their journey, their life has so much to teach us. They experience the ups and downs, the highs and lows as we do too. But their journey ends in Bethlehem, where Mary gives birth and they look on you face to face as we will in heaven. And we can begin going back to their betrothal, that ceremony in which they take each other to be spouses later after their wedding, similar to our engagement, but with more responsibilities and rights. But all of that hope, all of that expectation, all of that joy that accompanies that ceremony of betrothal. And they were very young. Mary, perhaps 12 or 13. That was the age at which they married in those times, and indeed, many centuries later, too. And Joseph, perhaps 18. A beautiful young couple setting out on their marriage path, full of joy, full of hope for a future that lay before them, and they didn't know what it would hold. And we don't either. When we set out on life, perhaps one of those stages in life like our graduation from school or tertiary education, our own engagement, our own marriage, our first job, full of hope, expectation for a future, and then the future will unfold itself in due time. But at that stage, it is all joy, it is all hope of a life still to be lived. And then the Annunciation. While they are still betrothed and not yet married, the angel appears to Our Lady. And St. Luke tells us in the first chapter of his Gospel, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Full of grace, who am I? And the Lord is with you. Why should the Lord be with me? Mary might have thought. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And suddenly that visit from the angel and a change of course for Mary and Joseph. They had decided, because this is what they thought God wanted from them, that yes, they would be married, but they would not make use of the marriage in the physical sense, and they would not have children. But now, a change. An angel, sent by God, announces Mary is to give birth to a son, and not just a son, a son who will be called the Son of the Most High the very Son of God, and he will be the Messiah. And those prophecies of the Messiah who would reign over the house of David and over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, this new one to be born, there will be no end. Human kingdoms come to an end. Of this kingdom, there will be no end. It will be a different sort of kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. And Mary is overwhelmed by that, that she is to be the very mother of the Messiah. But then she asks the obvious question, how will this be, since I do not know man? And the answer, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You will not conceive, that is, by Joseph, but by the Holy Spirit. You, a virgin, remaining a virgin, will conceive a child. And then perhaps Mary remembers that prophecy of Isaiah. And behold, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now Mary realizes she is the fulfillment of that prophecy, a virgin conceiving. And what is her response, having been told that her aging relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month, for with God nothing will be impossible, nothing impossible about an aging woman conceiving a child, and nothing impossible about a virgin conceiving by the Holy Spirit. Our Lady answers immediately, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She doesn't hesitate. She doesn't ask more questions. She accepts. This is what God wants. Then if God wants it, who am I to object and immediately that wholehearted response, let it be done to me according to your will. And Lord, we learn from this that sometimes our plans will change too. We make our plans, and well, we should. We are free. We are responsible. God wants us to use our freedom to make plans in life, but sometimes he has other plans for us. We make our plans thinking that we will undoubtedly fulfill them, and in most cases we do. But sometimes 
God has another plan. Because suddenly someone gets sick, we do, someone in our family, we lose our job, we are now expecting a child that we were not planning, that we were not expecting. And God is manifesting his will in this way. And Lord, when you do show us your will in an unexpected way, and sometimes that unexpected way may be very difficult to accept, let us answer as Mary did, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let us accept your will, knowing, Lord, that you are God, that you will always give us what is best, that God is our loving Father, and a Father who knows what is good for us and will always give us what is best for us. Mary, help me, help all of us to accept God's will when it changes our plans, knowing this is God's plan. This is for the good. And now, what does Mary do? She has been told that her aging relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary is overjoyed. She knew that Elizabeth and Zechariah had not had children. They were past the age of childbearing. But now, this good news, Elizabeth is carrying a child, and Mary's overjoyed. What should she do? Her first thought is perhaps I could send her a message to congratulate her on this great manifestation of God's providence, of his love. She could pray for her. But no, Mary is going to go beyond that. Mary is going to go and visit Elizabeth and spend some time helping her. And there was every reason not to do that. It was a long journey to the hill country of Judea from Galilee, a journey of some five, six, even seven days, exposed to the elements, the rain, the heat, the cold. It was a hazardous journey. There were robbers. There might be wild animals. And what is more, Elizabeth doesn't need help. Her husband Zachariah is there. There will be other women in the village who will help her. And Mary's carrying a child too. She has to look after herself. Maybe she should get someone to look after her. She doesn't want to be separated from St. Joseph. They love each other. They're madly in love. They need to prepare for their wedding. There was every reason not to go. But St. Luke tells us, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. In those days, not waiting a week, a month, two months, but going immediately. Lord, what generosity, what love, what thoughtfulness for someone else. And when she arrives, joy in that household. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, 
the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she could say what she could not have known, humanly speaking, that Mary was blessed among women, as the angel had said to her too. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. How would Elizabeth know that Mary was carrying a child? And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary, the one you are carrying in your womb is my Lord, is God. Elizabeth could only know that by a special revelation from the Holy Spirit. And she goes on, For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. All joy in the household of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and even in Elizabeth's womb, when John the Baptist leaps for joy. And Lord, when we help others, when our plans change again, we learn that someone is in need. Someone perhaps who is sick, a relative, a friend, a neighbor, and we know we should help them. We could make a meal. We could visit them and spend hours just consoling them, praying with them, listening to them, to put ourselves out. And sometimes that is what is required. Perhaps it is someone who is dying and we can visit them and perhaps we are the only one who has faith, who can console them, who can pray with them, who can talk to them about the heaven that awaits them, about the God who loves them and has a place in his house for them. Perhaps it is someone who is now in a nursing home, a close relative, a parent, a grandparent, and we can't just leave them there. We go and visit, and we take our children too. Perhaps there's a death in some family, and we go to visit the relatives to console them, perhaps to make a meal, because now they will be very busy preparing for the funeral. Someone who has lost a job, and we give them some advice. We spend time with them. Our life can take these twists and turns too, as Mary's did. Just when she had to prepare for her wedding, when she was in love with Joseph, and she had to prepare for the birth of Jesus, an announcement of another person in need, and Mary forgets herself and goes to help and spends three months until the birth, undoubtedly, of John the Baptist. This is generosity. This is spirit of service. And we ask Our Lady, Mary, help me to be thoughtful of others as you were, to see the needs of others 
and not limit ourselves to a phone call, a text message, a prayer, but putting ourselves out as you did, visiting them, spending time with them, and bringing them joy, and bringing them Christ. Mary brought Christ in her womb. We bring Christ in our heart. We put ourselves out because Christ invites us to do that. I was sick and you visited me. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. Lord, help us to do that, to be sensitive to the needs of others. And then Mary returns. It is now three months, and sometime after that, Joseph sees that Mary is carrying a child. It is undeniable. And he is bewildered. How can this be? We have not had physical relations. And he knows Mary, that beautiful, virtuous, holy young woman. She could not possibly have had relations with another man. And yet it is obvious she's carrying a child. And Joseph as the just man that he is, decides to send Mary away quietly, not to divorce her, of course, not to denounce her to anyone else, and that he will just leave her, and he will incur the shame, leaving his wife pregnant and going away when the angel appears to him in a dream. And let us read the words. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph is overjoyed. This child is by the Holy Spirit. Mary is the fulfillment of that prophecy of Isaiah, and she will give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. And Lord, the unexpected for Joseph, the bewilderment, the announcement from the angel, it is by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, overjoyed, takes Mary as his wife, and they celebrate the wedding some time later. But first, he has to act, and he decides to do what is so difficult for him, to send Mary away, and that people will say mean things, perhaps, about him. And Lord, we have these difficulties too. They might be difficulties in our own marriage in the marriage of someone close to us. Perhaps one of our older children who stops practicing the faith, maybe says they don't believe in God. 
maybe starts living in sin, perhaps with someone else or on their own. These are the troublesome things in life. They come. They come in one form or another into the lives of all. And what do we do? We make a human decision. We do all we can humanly. And then we pray. We entrust the matter to God with faith. We say, Lord, I don't know how to solve this. I'll do what I can, but you please help me. You invited us to do that when you said, Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened. I will give you rest. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. And St. Peter writes in his first letter, Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he is looking after you. And Lord, help us to do that, to do what we can humanly to solve these problems and then to abandon that issue, those people, ourselves, in the hands of our loving Father God and then be at peace. And then Mary and Joseph prepare for the birth of Jesus, looking forward to that great day as the time draws near. And then another problem. The emperor has called a census. And we read in St. Luke's Gospel, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And he tells Mary, Mary, I'm sorry, the emperor has called a census. We will have to go to Bethlehem just now when we are preparing for you to give birth. But this was God's providence too. God would use a Roman emperor who knew nothing of Jewish scriptures to fulfill that prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And Mary and Joseph, who were living in Nazareth in Galilee, now go to Bethlehem where Jesus will be born. And Lord, again, a sudden change of plans, a sudden upset. And this happens again as we've considered so many different ones, the sudden illness, the loss of a job, the death of someone close to us, the list goes on, and again, we have to deal with it, to accept it. This is God's will. There's nothing more we can do except solve that problem as best we can, spend time with those people who need us, do the will of God. It is obviously his will, and he will bring something good out of that. And so they set off for Bethlehem, that long journey, six or seven days, when Mary is so close to giving birth, 
undoubtedly riding on a donkey or some other beast a burden, but that is exceedingly uncomfortable too. Many hours a day. And then they arrive each night somewhere where they have to camp, perhaps pitch a tent, be exposed to the elements, sleep on the ground. All that discomfort, but this is obviously God's plan. And so they accept it. They do their best. And looking forward to arriving in Bethlehem, finding a room in an inn where they can rest, where it is clean, and there perhaps give birth to Jesus. But no, they knock on one door and another. There is no room for them in the inn. And I always imagine, how could any innkeeper, when there's a knock on his door, open the door to that beautiful young couple, that young mother with the baby in her womb, obviously close to giving birth, both of them looking so tired, perhaps even wet and cold, and say, I'm sorry, we have no room. Wouldn't he have the heart to invite them in to clean up some room which was not being used or provide in some way for them? But no, there is no room in the inn because it was God's will that Jesus be born not even in an inn, let alone a palace or a castle, as was befitting a king, but in a cave surrounded by animals in a stable. That was God's will, and Mary and Joseph accept that. They go to that cave. It is probably dirty. Joseph cleans it while making sure that Mary is comfortable and resting. And then, finally, the time comes for the delivery. And Joseph has bent over backwards to accommodate his young wife to make those final days and hours comfortable for her before she gives birth. And then, finally, Jesus comes into the world. And let us read the words from the Gospel of St. Luke. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus comes out into the world. Mary wraps him in those swaddling cloths that they did in those days to keep the limbs straight. And Pope Benedict, in his trilogy on Jesus of Nazareth, says that those swaddling cloths wrapping the infant to a point where he looked like a mummy, those swaddling cloths prefigured the shroud that would wrap Jesus in the tomb because he was born for this, to redeem us by his death on the cross. And that is already in some way prefigured in his birth. And then what do Mary and Joseph do? But just look with love, look with wonder on this infant who is God, who is the very Messiah that was prophesied for hundreds of years and awaited 
for that time. He is now in the world. They contemplate him. They just stare with love. They gaze at him. And then the angel announces the great joy of the birth to the shepherds in that region. And in that region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people, for to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. News of great joy. Christ is born. And after all of those troubles, all of those hardships that they had to endure, after their betrothal to this point, finally, the great joy of the birth of Christ. And Lord, is this not a prefigurement a microcosm of our own life? We set out when we were young with our future before us, not knowing what it would hold, full of hope, expectation, and then from time to time, the problems, the difficulties that we solve, and finally, we come to the end of our journey, the Bethlehem of heaven where God calls us to himself, welcoming us into that room in the Father's house. And then eternal happiness, eternal joy, eternal rest, eternal peace and love. And Lord, help us in our journey of life as we go through the ups and downs, the highs and lows that Mary and Joseph did to keep our eyes fixed on the goal, fixed on God, to be heavenly minded, not earthly minded, until one day you will call us to heaven and we will gaze on Christ, on the Father, the Holy Spirit, our Lady, the angels and all the saints, seeing them face to face, our life journey at an end. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask your assistance in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.